Welcome to And Almost Starring, the show where each week we take a film and break down the casting, including who almost starred. I'm Jeff Ronan. I'm Amy Jo Jackson. And Freddy Krueger's got nothing on his kill count. It's Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. For better or for worse, out there is a universe where it may seem bizarre, but they were almost starring. Amy Joe, how are you doing today? Ooh, I'm all right, Jeff. How are you? I am good. Man, just every time, every time one of these kids is doing something that's going to get him killed and Gene Wilder is just like, no, stop. Stop. Wait, come back. Police. It, it never failed to slay me. Yeah. Uh, is so good. Uh, so, listener... If you've not done so already, please like, subscribe, write a review, tell a friend, and um, be sure to check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash and almost starring. For $3 a month, you're getting all of our episodes early, and for $5 a month, you're getting a bonus episode every single month. Heck, Jeff, that seems like a great deal. Well, heck, Amy, I thought it was. <laughs> <laughs> this month, you have access to a full-length bonus episode on The Office. That's right, our first episode tackling a TV show, super-sized ep, over two hours. A lot of actors to get through, if you didn't know, what with a nine-season-long sitcom and all. Uh, but you also have in the back catalog episodes on Thor Ragnarok, Adam's Family Values, full-length commentaries on Jaws, David Cronenberg's The Fly, and Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. All that is waiting for you for just $5. Be sure to check us out. Patreon.com slash and almost starring. Wow. But as for the film we're discussing today, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory came out on June 30th, 1971, and was directed by Mel Stewart and written by Roald Dahl and David Seltzer. Hey, Mitchell, what's your experience with Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory? Had you seen this movie before? I couldn't tell you how many times I've seen this movie. I truly... I couldn't possibly tell you how many times in my lifetime I have watched this film. <laughs> wow. It is a lot. Yeah. Um, this was a staple. Mm -hmm. uh, I also, <laughs> I was in a production of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory at <laughs> the Bedford Boys Ranch. <laughs> That's right. Impressed. And I played Violet Beauregard. I wanted to play Veruca, but we play the hand we're dealt, you know. I get, um, I get it. And I didn't really care for gum especially at this uh. point in my life so it was a real i had two different kinds because there was like the kids would all come on and do their speeches like their intro speeches and we'd all like freeze when we were done and so i used like a really colorful gum because she would like mm -hmm. wanted me to like like uh, you know the like thing about like my best friend miss cornelia prince mel and was she mad that whole thing and then i would like pull it so I'd have it in my in between my teeth and pull it in between my fingers, and then I would just like stand there in a pose, and it would just like droop lower and lower. But yeah. I used a really colorful gum for that, and then I would switch to a gum that didn't lose flavor after three seconds because mm. I had to keep Smart. it in my mouth the rest of the show. Ugh. Yeah. yeah, I get it. If you don't like gum, that sounds gross. I mean, if you don't like gum and you got cast in this role in a movie and you got to be doing this day in day Yikes. out for hours and hours, it sounds like a nightmare. once it fell out on <gasps> the ground. No. Oh, and, and you? I was. That's right. I, I was. I, I think do twelve. This. Um, 11 or 12. Yeah, I would have been 12. And listener, I've never not been an actor. I've never not been <laughs> committed to the craft and to maintaining the reality, you know? And I remember looking at it. <laughs> I just you're, remember you're a real ABBA. At, real always be acting. Always be acting. And I just, I remember looking at it. It didn't even happen in a moment where people would have been focusing on me. But like, you know, the whole cast is on stage. And I just looked at it and went, 
well, this would not gross Violet Beauregard out. So despite the fact that this was a community theater, I don't know when they the mobbed stage these stages. of a community theater. And I picked it up and popped it back in my mouth. And I was like, well, if I ever doubted it, now I'm a real actor. <laughs> you say, well, if I die, at least I know <laughs> I was, was for, true to my craft. It was for Charlie <laughs> was for and the art. Chocolate Factory at Bedford Boys Ranch. <laughs> Bedford Boys Ranch. Where I helped paint the stage. Oh, that is fantastic. I have not had the honor of acting in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, but I have seen this film many, many a time growing up, although it's been quite some time since I've seen it last. Uh, and did you by chance see the Tim Burton no. version? Cool, cool, cool. I saw that the one time in theaters, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, uh, as they changed the, t- they were worried that like, if that was the name of the movie, people would be like, what are you seeing? Ah, I'm seeing Charlie. And what is that? But you say, I'm seeing Willy Wonka. They know what you're saying. So that's why they changed it. Because the book is called Charlie, Charlie and, the Ch- and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, trust. I also like was a big raw doll head when I was a kid. Oh, sure. So I read Same, this book a lot. But it wasn't as, I, I really liked Wonk, the sequel, Wonka and the Great Glass Elevator. Which I only read maybe once. Um, or but Charlie I, and the Great Glass Elevator, whatever it is. Um, uh, but I definitely, I read Matilda more mm, than anything sure. else. That was my like, sure. my go-to. Yeah, like Matilda. I really liked Danny, Champion of the World. For whatever reason, I think it was because it was one of the few world dolls at my local library. So I just <laughs> kept getting that one out. But like, with love, love. I got some book. collection that, of his short Twits, stories. Twits is great. So mm-hmm. many great world dolls. I had books. a collection of his short stories. One which Too is bad like he's, the, a, he's a complete monster. I know. <laughs> it really dampens the, the experience. Because I read, a, yeah, a lot of them as a child. Uh, and I forgot we got this Wonka prequel coming out called Wonka. That's, I believe, how he first meets the Oompa Loompas on his first big adventure. Great. I know. I mean, you got Timothy Chalamet. You have an actual actor. You can just true. like throw some jag off from Riverdale in there. <laughs> I'm sure there are real actors on Riverdale people, but you get what I'm saying here. Timothy Chalamet's got a friggin' Oscar nom. And the supporting cast is Rowan Atkinson, <gasps> Sally Hawkins, Keegan-Michael Key, and Olivia Coleman. Like, they're getting a pretty dang good cast I'm going to say this right now. He's not on my list of Wonkas, but I'm mad at myself that Rowan Atkinson isn't on my list oh. of potential Wonkas. Because yeah. then it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. I believe he was considered for the Tim Burton Wonka. Oh, they sure. were considering like everyone under the sun for sure. that. If we listener, if we run long enough, we might do that film in years, but I don't think it's uh in the foreseeable future. Nah. Oh, and I forgot because we're uh listener, we you listened to our Edward Scissorhands ep a while ago. I did say Timothy Chalamet would be very good at Scissor Hands. I completely forgot that he there's some commercial, don't remember what it's for, where he is playing Edward Scissorhands, Timothy oh. Chalamet is, that it is like because he just looks, the hair is right, that he's delicate. so skinny, he's so pale, and that delicate, so delicate. That delicate quality. The delicate quality. Um, but let's talk about Willy Wonka. So spoilers ahead. If you have not seen Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory or you haven't seen it in a while, here's a brief-ish synopsis. Although I got to say, first, we start with these opening credits of all this candy. And oh. I do got to say that y- what you said was, these opening credits, yum, yum. <laughs> <laughs> listener i was having a very good time watching this movie um 
Yeah, the, there's the first shot of the chocolate, but then it's really when the fudge comes down. It's like thick and fudgy. It's it going looks like, so good. It's like going in sort of a, not a swirl, but sort of. It's a, a ripple. A ripple. Yes. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, I really was like. That was always I, where I was just like, always as good. I was like, put it in my mouth. Oh, if I could just poke my head through the TV screen, uh, literally just turn 180. So this I'm is what I want Wonka Vision for. Oh, yeah. yes, yes. Just let that rippling chocolate go ripple right in my mouth, my please. Face. Ripple it into my face, if you would, please. Thank you, sir. Thank um, but so our protagonist is not Willy Wonka, as though the title makes you think it's Charlie Bucket, a poor, poor paper boy who <laughs> often is looking inside the candy shops but can never afford to buy sweets. Can't afford all that free candy they're giving no, away. But you can afford to buy his uncle's tobacco, this <sighs> deadbeat uncle. Oh, Look, I know oh, it Grandpa is, it, Joe, not Uncle, Grandpa. It has been well-worn territory to give Grandpa Joe some grief, but- I got to tell you, it's territory we're going to tread because <laughs> it's appropriate to discuss this yeah. man's behavior. Yeah. I had to throw a special shout out. Completely forgot about this guy. Credit in the Wikipedia synopsis as a tinker. Just, you know, the people oh, yeah. that go by to the knife grinder. things. Yeah. As I, well, I like to call him the stabby, stabby harbinger of doom. Yes, knife man. Yes. And I just started singing the the part that the knife grinder sings in Who Will Buy from Oliver. <laughs> <laughs> he was walking off. I was like, knives, knives to grind. Yeah, Charlie's like looking at through the gates because the whole, the Willy Wonka's chocolate factory, it's been gated up for years and, and years and years. He lives in the same town as it, see? And he never, Willy Wonka's never come out in years and years. No and one ever goes in. Fired all the workers. Right. And there's this this tinker. No one ever goes in. No one ever comes How out. How are they shipping the Wonka bars anywhere if no one's going in or if they're not a delivery van? I mean, there's a lot of like Rube Goldberg-esque contraptions mm, inside. True. I wouldn't be surprised if they just have like some kind of treadmill-like thing that just like everything goes out and goes completely out of the factory and then drops it off into right in front of it or something. You know, right in front right into the trucks. And it's like you never need people touching it. You're never gonna see the Oompa Loompas, because that's all you got. You got Willy Wonka and a bunch of Oompa Loompas, and that's it living in this factory. No wonder Willy Wonka's going crazy on this ferry boat ride. Like I think that's just him every day. They're like, well, this is just my morning constitutional. Right. Um, yeah, but Charlie, he's living, he's got his mom, and he's got all four all four grandparents surviving, which is honestly kind of surprising. Uh, given their living conditions. They're living, on shocking. they're living on hot cabbage water. And they have been bedridden for, now I know this is a children's fable, 20 years. Well, Grandpa Joe has. I don't know if they're no, all 20. No, no, no. They all, so she, all the, the same day. Says, the same day, they all were like, well, that's it for me. The I'm mother 43. Says, Time to go to bed forever. And with the four of you bedridden the past 20 years. Mm. Which, mm -hmm. again, I know it's a children's story. I know exaggeration. That's just the way it is. But so you're telling me that this <laughs> child, this mother was supporting these four. I'm not going to call them all deadbeats, but I'm, these four freeloaders. And then that has a child. This kid is what? Like 12, 11? Oh, at most. Yeah. I this would say kid's 11. 11. Yeah. He's never... Like, are his grandparents well enough to hold him and help take care of him? Not one of them's ever changed a diaper. What's happening? Yeah, as long as this kid has been alive, they've been the, in this four poster bed. In this bed, you're smelling oh. some other grampy oh. or granny's feet for 20 years. Jack Albertson, who played Grandpa Joe, 
the character in the no- in the novel, Grandpa Joe is said to be ninety six and a half years old. Yes. You know, guess how old Jack Albertson was 50. when making this? Okay, well that that was a close, but a bit a bit too much of a swing. Sixty three. This man is sixty. This man is walking around looking like that, and he is only sixty three, which a is bananas, but b means that when he was forty three, he was like, you know what? I gotta I'm give it good. up. I'm just going to bed. I'm and not getting out. The prime of my life. <laughs> uh, you know what? In a post pandemic world, I kind of get it. You're forty three. <laughs> you're like, you know what? I'm going to bed. You can take care of me. You know what? I sat on a couch for two years. Let's just keep this going. Let's keep the party going. (laughs) Uh, But Willy Wonka has announced that he has hidden five golden tickets in five different chocolate Wonka bars. And the finders of the tickets will receive a factory tour and a lifetime supply of chocolate. And we get our first half of the movie is a lot of these like vignettes. Yeah. Which are ben- I completely forgot about all these. I love the guy that builds the computer. That can I'm t- now telling the computer exactly what it can do with a lifetime supply of chocolate. Right now, where where is this remaining golden ticket? Is like I cannot tell you. It that would, would be, be cheating. cheating. That would be uh, cheating. <laughs> <laughs> that and then I think my favorite because it's so bananas and so bananas for a kid movie is this woman whose husband <laughs> has been kidnapped. And is this like, one I had forgotten about. They're gonna kill this woman's husband. If they don't like find out where I the just want to have Harold back, and like we need to know. Oh no, that's it. Is they have a case of Wonka she bars. She has a case of Wonka. She doesn't have the ticket. That's right because they're she has, out, like, the last. There's no Wonka right. bars left to be shipped this out. This woman so. has the last case of Wonka bars, and they're like, we want that case of Wonka bars. It's like how has she not opened the case of Wonka bars to find out if yeah, she's got the tickets I know. or not? There's a lot of. They want your case of Wonka bars. Or they're how, gonna kill your husband. How long will they give me to? How think it long over? will they give me to think about it? Can you imagine? It's your husband's you life for your case you, of Wonka bars. Amy, could you imagine if you had gotten kidnapped and then you finally get released <laughs> and you're like, man. What an ordeal. Would have been great if I could have been released maybe earlier. And if I said I would have had them release you earlier. But I needed an extra day to think, think about, about whether or not you were worth a box of candy. Whether bars. or not it's also like it's just funny <laughs> that all these adults get so swept up and like I need the yeah. the status of getting into this like the Wonka mania that swept <sighs> the globe. Wonka mania, indeed. Yeah, but uh, the four of the tickets get snapped up by the gluttonous German boy Augustus Gloop, the spoiled English girl Veruca Salt, and from the U.S., the constantly gum-chewing Violet Beauregard and television-obsessed Mike TV. Did he change his last name to TV? Or is his name just happened to be... I guess it just happens to be TV. So it was faded. It was faded from when he was born. Yes. And I guess Veruca Salt, because she's really salty... Well, isn't it also um, he he works in peanuts and Mr. he works Salt. in peanuts. So wow, so salted nuts. Yeah, I mean, either he changed his or last maybe name. again, this is a children's book. Mm, I don't know what you mean, uh, Charlie Bucket. <laughs> Charlie Bucket. He's poor as a bucket. That little boy. Poor as a bucket. There's a news report that the fifth ticket was found by a millionaire in South America, and Charlie loses odd hope. He's never going to get that. He gets because he get like the one chocolate bar for his birthday, and it's like him and Grandpa Joe especially. It's like, look, hey, Grandpa Joe, I get it that this kid's life is not great, and you have him buying your tobacco, but maybe don't act like every single time this kid gets a chocolate bar or whatever that he's, he's going to win. You're going to win it. Again, this I swear is why you're gonna this win guy, it. it's like – this is not, I feel so badly for the mother. Like, she's like, don't 
build up his hope beyond a reasonable expectation. It's like, it's one thing if it's like, I don't believe in you. It's another thing to be like, and it's another thing to be like, hey, you know, anything can happen. And another thing to be like, you're gonna get it, kid. It's it's like, hey, it's gotta be someone is one thing. It's gotta be you. There's no way it can't be. It's you. All of our hopes and dreams are pinned on you. Like, this is rough. If only you could find that ticket, Charlie. I could finally get out of this bed next to these other crones and goblins that I've been trapped with. Next to all these Germans who don't speak English well enough to have lines. Only a tour of a chocolate factory would give me the wherewithal and gumption and pluck to get out of this bed So that your poor mother doesn't have to just stir clothes in a bucket forever. God forbid. Bid that your mother go with you to this magical I chocolate know. factory. This poor woman who's been caring for me, a man who has been in this bed since I was 43. 43? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it turns out, really going back to Roald Dahl, as we see all of our all of our sweet, well, I mean sweet, all of our kids who have it so far, these tickets, are the worst. They are the worst. But the only one who has been lying about having the ticket is the one from South America. I know. I definitely was like... <laughs> Yikes. Uh, Roll doll. Those colors are showing. Yeah, I was like, that's not uh, good. No, no, no. But turns out he was lying, which means Charlie has found like a gold coin in a sewer grate. So he's like, well, I'll bring it back home, but maybe I'll get like two candy bars. And that second candy bar, he's got the golden ticket. Yeah, so he's bought them when like now no one's in there trying to buy them out of candy bars because they think it's all over. So he shoves the one in his mouth because he's like, I'm hungry and I love chocolate. And then he takes the other one home just from my grandpa Jill. And then, uh, then when he sees the news, he goes and he opens this up and sure enough, because he's trying not to smoke anymore. And you better believe he's got the shakes by now. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe some chocolate will help tamper down, tamper down the willies for old Grandpa Joe. Oh no, you don't understand, Grandpa. I need you to keep smoking because you're just much more pleasant that you're, way. You're you are intolerable when you 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 know how like cheery and jovial and jokey you are. You are the same like level of pitch, but when you don't have your smokes on Grandpa Joe, you are a nightmare. We there's a reason you of course you don't need to be in bed. We have kept you in bed. You, that, you think that's just hot cabbage water? Oh no, this is a real Munchausen by proxy from this mom. She is caring for these wow, grandparents. Wow, this she, is you a ain't theory. going nowhere. This is a scandalous theory that the mother has Munchausen's <laughs> by proxy and is forcing it upon her elderly parents and in laws. It's the only explanation. Is it? <laughs> Not that Grandpa Joe is just uh, lazy and delusional. Mm, Well, I guess that's possible. (laughs) Willie, Charlie meets Slugworth, uh, an invention kind of for the film. I think he's in the novel, but... There's I like think he's not checked, but a real not character, this device, right. yeah. Which is very fun that with all the kids who get their golden tickets, you see this friggin' Judge Doom looking character. He looks, he's giving Judge Doom for sure. This is strong. A decade later, this is Christopher Lloyd as Slugworth. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is whispering in all their ear, and finally he meets Charlie, and he's like, If you bring me information, or I think. An actual everlasting. everlasting. You're also using more uh, inflection than, and I. This is not a slight to this actor. It is really creepy the way this actor just like everything is very. I'm Arthur Slugworth. Bring me an everlasting gobstopper. If he succeeds, he'll ruin me. So creepy in this like 
underpass or or yeah. whatever that wherever that is there in this alley and it's just like Ugh. just all this fun corporate malfeasance yeah. adds a fun something for the adults does now make me think of uh you what if you combine willy wonka with inception so now slugworth is like ken watanabe so slugworth is like we've got to get people into willy wonka's mind oh, to man. figure out the chocolate recipe the red or the gobstopper recipe but this is but instead of trying to incept something they're trying to extract because it's an extraction what they usually true. do in this inception is true. That's and the, true. so the it reason it's called easier. inception is because it, it is actually easier. they're just trying to get information so it could be easier than inception yeah. but would also be pretty fun going through wonka's mind oh come on it would just be a full-length version of the riverboat sequence it would so also it might be, be a like too scary jim carrey's website which i don't know if it's still up jim carrey's website have you did i ever show you this no he had a website which was like not about like being an actor. Oh no, this is like a recent thing? Not recent, recent. Oh, okay. Like, which is why I don't know if it's still up. It was just so weird. Like, oh. artsy, lots of oh. like, you cl- lots of like, which is also why I think it's older. I don't know if it was like Flash exactly, but like, you click on something and it like bounces around and moves. <laughs> like, just wild. Very like. <laughs> Hieronymus Bosch meets Homestar Runner. Like I'm loving very that, this. Um, was his website for a while because he was just like, "This is what I want my Homestar Home Miss Bosch." I, I Home like Star Miss Bosch. Honestly, oof, I want to see that now. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, sure. very, very that where you're like, "What surrealist world <laughs> have I entered?" Very true. Uh, and now we are like halfway through our film, and finally we are meeting. Gene Wilder's Willy Wonka, this iconic entry, like slow moving entrance, which was completely Gene Wilder's idea. In fact, he not only pitched that this is how Willy Wonka should enter, like with a cane and with this limp so slowly, and then suddenly stops, falls, rolls, and is back up, and everyone starts cheering. And he not only came up with that idea, but he said, I won't do your movie unless that's how I enter. And they're like, Why? And he said, Because after that point, the audience won't know if I'm lying or telling the truth, because they won't be able to fully trust me. Oh, wow. He's a smart guy. He's a smart cookie. Because, I mean, it is, it's iconic. It is, if you look up any list of, like, like Char- most iconic, yeah, movie character, character entrances. entrances, that is almost always making the list, because it's so striking. Well, it's also, like, it's not just that part. It's truly just, like, how long he delays going into the role. You know, like, he fall, he is, like, gonna fall on his face, and then it's like, yeah. broop. Like a wee little gymnast. Yeah, he trained. He trained to like be able to do like this because it is like you it are is. at the last second yeah. leaping into a somersault. It, that's it's one it's of the reasons impressive. I think that it's so impressive is you're like, oh, no, he's going to really care plunk. Yeah. Uh, a couple times throughout filming, the director, Mel Stewart, uh, would use a slight method tactic for a few scenes. So, for example, the whole inside of the chocolate room, none of the kids saw before they filmed. <gasps> so they got all their reactions <gasps> live. Same with the riverboat sequence, which unfortunately the opposite effect and that they all thought that Gene Wilder had possibly gone insane because they were terrified of him and of everything that they were seeing. <laughs> <laughs> they could have used a little warning on that. Just a little bit, just a little bit. But it is, it's this magical, magical room, all made of candy and chocolate. Gene Wilder singing. Pure imagination. Pure imagination. Can you imagine being 11 and walking in and seeing that room for the first time? That set. Oh, it's so beautiful. And I mean, just this whole number, it's so perfect. And I love how like sweetly melancholy it is. Oh yeah. Well, the oh, it's such a good song. It Leslie Bracuse. I know. It doesn't end with this big like triumphant coda it just like is this quiet little ending as he's sipping his tea out of this little cup and then takes a bite out of the cup it's such a good 
like bridge to the if you want to view paradise and look around if it like it's just it's very sweeping the whole score Candyman even going back to like the song the Candyman sings like technically the song like resolves the Candyman thinks it should is like the note it should end on but it goes Candyman thinks it should jumps up the octave and then they put this weird chord underneath it so that it feels like nothing's resolved and it's just been this like sweet little song about like candy but then it's just like puts you in a weird like haunting ah it's that same kind of like the friction between like the oh the sweet and the like i don't know yeah. if, it, nothing's settled in this movie till like the very end you know it's true it's very true and, and a lot of that is helped once we get into this back half by gene yeah. wilder's performance oh, of, of that you could buy that he has purposefully planned this tour like knowing like Oh, this little t- kid obsessed with TV. Oh, I bet he's going to accidentally shrink himself. Oh, yeah. Well, you hear because he's like, of course, I read about you in the paper. Right. You know, right. like, so, you know, he's checked them all out. Yeah. Uh, we meet the Oompa Loompas who work for Willy Wonka and we get the first of their songs. This is. I tell you, the songs don't slap as hard now as they as used hard. to. I was like, They're... I don't think we care so much about gum chewing as like a national horror show. Like it seems like not, we did that. I think Roald Dahl would have had a thing or five to say about social media. You know, if this Ooh. is updated, Mike TV is Man. Mike TikTok. Thank you know? God. Thank God we did not live in a world where Roald Dahl had access to a Twitter account. Mm-hmm. That's all I'll say. Uh, <laughs> uh, but this is where we first start uh, kicking these kids out of the movie. So Augustus Gloops <laughs> starts to go in for a little drink in the Chocolate River, uh, falls in, gets sucked up out of, through this pipe, and is out of this movie. Uh, so according to Paris Themen, who played Mike TV, the river was made of water with food coloring. At one point, they poured cocoa powder into it to try to thicken it, but it did not really work. And they asked uh, Michael Bolner, who played Augustus Gloop, what the river was made of. And he said, it was dirty, stinking water. (laughs) (laughs) A combination of salt, conditioner, and chemicals eventually removed the stink problem, but it remained cold, dirty water. So that's what this kid is swimming through. I mean, you can see it's clearly water. Like, it's not thick enough to look like chocolate. But yeah, what do you do? Uh, um, And now, like, we were touring the factory, and one by one, these kids are out of here violet is chewing this uh gum that replicates a full course meal including blueberry pie she turns violet hey is second course violet, is violet. coming up <laughs> she's great i mean oh, the, all the all these kids are so they're good. Uh, they're fantastic this this kid you know just just that whole monologue she delivers at the beginning hi cornelia how are you sweetie like it's all yeah. so good oh, she's such a little stinker baruka goes down a garbage chute trying to after, steal a golden egg after an iconic song which i would like to take this moment to share so i want it now <laughs> which i'd like to take this moment to sing for you <laughs> as i did not get to sing it on the stage of the bedford at the bedford boys, <laughs> boys ranch now granted we did not do this musical version it was a play on oh no no singing so. no singing in your version no, sing- no ooh, singing ooh, in my I show say. in college in in one of my tap classes, I was an advanced tap dancer. I was advanced nothing else with regards to dance, but <laughs> tap I was. And um, we had to choreograph for like one of our finals. It was like choreograph your own song and bring it in just like a, a minute and a half or something. So I did. I want it now. And here's the thing. That's in a waltz time. It's three, four. And it's a little I mean, you can tap in three, four, but it's a little harder to because there's so many tap steps that like are double sided and like quite easily sit in 4-4. Four, four. Um, yeah. So uh, 
My teacher said he was very impressed. But yes, <laughs> lots of stomps, lots of stomping. You know, she's perfect for very, that. Number. I was like, this will be fun and I'll get to do this. Um, <laughs> but yes, 10,000 tons of ice cream. So many little things that have just lived forever. Rent free in your mind. Oh, yes. yes. And as I said, Mike TV gets shrunk into a teeny tiny little version of Mike TV. And on the tour, Charlie and Grandpa Joe. Uh, yeah, they see this fizzy lifting now, drinks room. hold, please. Holding. Violet is like chewing gum. She hasn't even turned to a blueberry yet. Uh-huh. And and Charlie goes to Grandpa Joe like, why isn't she listening to Mr. Wonka? He says, because she's a, what is it, idiot? She's an idiot. She's an idiot or a nitwit or a, she's a yeah, twit she's a or nit, something. She's a nitwit, Charlie. Minutes, Minutes later. Like, it's the next sequence after she turns into a blueberry. They go by these fizzy, past the fizzy lifting drink thing. And then Grandpa Joe. Yeah, not Charlie. Charlie's not th- saying, no. like, Charlie's not even saying, man, Grandpa Joe, I sure wish we could try one of these fizzy lifting drinks. He doesn't say boo. This kid's ready to go on the tour like the good little boy he is. And Grandpa Joe. Grandpa Joe says, come on, Charlie, let's try a sip. They won't miss it. And then they're nearly killed. <laughs> they nearly get the propeller man death from Raiders of the Lost Ark. <sighs> they are floating up and up and almost get chopped into pieces. It's so infuriating. It makes me like want to punch this. This elderly man. This, this <laughs> middle-aged, <laughs> sl- slightly over middle-aged man. Up, up until yesterday, bedridden man for two decades. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> clearly right he got up and was like, ooh, turns out my legs haven't atrophied and I can dance. Look at all these bell <laughs> kicks. This man was getting up at night. It is. I mean, that mom should have dumped that hot cabbage water all over this oh, guy. Oh, man. She clearly also just like, dad, like the number of times she's had to put up with this man's antics so the tour ends and charlie's like what's gonna happen to the rest of those kids and willy wonka goes they'll be fine i think in the book you see them all okay but you don't in the movie no but he does say they're fine in a way that that in in a tone of voice that does seem like genuine yeah but he's not flippant about it the way that he is when they all disappear well that's true i like to imagine that he's lying but (laughs) (laughs) What I really like to think about is all those children's lives destroyed. Some say you can still hear Augustus Gloop floating through the pipes of the walls. Uh, So they are seen off. Willy Wonka's like, all right, that's the end of the tour. We'll see you later. Boom, door in the face. They're like, um, Grandpa Joe is like real up on his high horse. Like, uh, excuse me, Mr. Wonka, I'm pretty sure you forgot the lifetime supply of chocolate for Charlie. Because we need some calories in our household. Right. That's what we need, chocolate. That's what's going to really turn this struggling household around. You know what the mom really needs? You know what we really need is just a lifetime supply of chocolate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we need. Not, you know, money. Financial assistance. A better house. A home to put these four deadbeat goblins (laughs) into. (laughs) Uh, so this Gene Wilder was eh, having a little fun or just help whatever you want to call it that he when rehearsing this scene he was very calm that he was very like you don't get the chocolate like you you get nothing you did yes you you get nothing you you stole the fizzy drink you you smudged the ceiling it needs to be cleaned and like so you get nothing and so that's how they rehearsed it and it wasn't until filming that he did the iconic it's like you get nothing nothing. you lose Lose. good good Day, sir. 
which got very strong reactions from this little kid and yeah. Grandpa Joe, of course. Uh, so Joe denounces Wonka. This is where we were really like, Grandpa, you got to shut up, my guy. I can, you got to throw, you my- throw yourself on the sword. You got to say, look, I made him do it. It was me. Yes. This is my fault. Blame me. No chocolate for Grandpa Joe. Throw me in the chocolate river. Shrink me down. Throw me down this tube. But Turn no. me into a blueberry. A blueberry. No. But Instead he goes, doesn't. you should be ashamed, sir. This poor Raising child. a little boy's hopes. It's like, you, you raised this boy's you hopes. You promised him chocolate. And now you say no chocolate. You, sir, are a liar. And I can read my exact note that I wrote. And anything that I'm really stressing is in all caps. Willy Wonka is a business person within his rights, and Grandpa Joe is an asshole and a freeloader <laughs> whose daughter I feel sorry for. <laughs> this is what I was furiously writing <laughs> at the end of this film. Yes, that should be the counterpoint song to Cheer Up Charlie is Cheer Up Charlie, Shut Up Joe. Shut up, Grandpa. <laughs> Go sit back down. And Joe, you know, Grandpa Joe, really, no morals in this guy. He's like, you know what, Ch- Charlie? Screw this guy. You should bring Slugworth that Gobstopper. Slugworth wants an everlasting Gobstopper. Yeah, show Slugworth that Gobstopper. Oh, yeah, because they we'll all get our one. money. The yes, kids they all, all get a get Gobstopper. One. And told, like, now make sure you don't show this or don't give this share to anyone else. It. Don't share it. And Charlie, because he's Charlie Bucket, he's like, I'm just going to return the Gobstopper to you, Mr. Wonka. I'm like, Charlie, you could have just eaten the dang thing. But he gives it back well, to Well, because Wonka. it's everlasting, it implies he could have eaten it and still given it to Slugworth, you know? I guess. Just, yeah. just eat it, and then you don't need a candy ever again. You got your one candy that lasts you forever. I know. It's everlasting. It seems like an awkward shape. No, that's true. Yeah, why is it Why is it shaped like some kind of weird bouncy molecule looking thing? And it's large. It's large. Yeah, this is true. You know what? You know, it's a prototype. Poor design plan. Um, But Charlie gives it back and Slugworth comes out of a door in Wonka's office and it's revealed that Slugworth works for Wonka. It was all It's not actually Slugworth. His name is, I forgot what his name is. It's someone else, but posing as Slugworth. Yeah. Uh, It's all been a test, a morality test. And Charlie has passed, which means he gets the keys to the castle. He's going to take over the factory from Willy Wonka whenever Willy Wonka decides to leave. Charlie inherits it. He can move in. Him and his family can live. You can, I don't know, these, your grandparents. Grandparents can sleep on the riverboat, send him down the river, let that shake some life into him. (laughs) (laughs) And we go out this elevator up through the ceiling and we get the exchange that never fails to make me tear up, which is Jimmy Wilder saying, you know, now don't forget, Charlie, what happened to the little boy who suddenly got everything he ever wanted. He lived happily ever after. He's like, what happened? There were a number of times during this movie where you and I looked at each other and went, Because Gene Wilder is so cagey and is such a little stinker and doesn't give a crap about any other kids, it does make that whole ending. You're like, it really really hits. It really, really lands. I love it. I love it. So initial thoughts, Amy Jo, from uh, this time watching it, because I think it's been a while for you since you've seen this film yeah. last, of what st- struck out at you? A um, couple things. I mean, I forget what a large part um, Veruca's father is, Mr. Salt, until I watch this again. And this like northern boss energy, This I, I just really love this performance. They're great. All, yeah, all, they're all so delightful. Great. Yeah, and then also... I'm sure there has been some like immersive Instagram trap Willy Wonka experience. There must but it's be. just like, oh man, I want a chocolate room immersive experience. Yeah. Like, man. Yeah. I mean, this is the easiest. I mean, they have to have done this. This is like the easiest Insta trap idea I've ever, ever. heard. Well, everyone's always doing Alice in Wonderland. I bet part sure. of it is that Alice in Wonderland has 
the rights are in the public, public domain. domain. Yeah. Um, so that might be a little tricky, but I'm looking right now. I brought it in here while we recorded for my birthday this year. Jeff got me uh, something I requested when we went to FAO Schwartz to buy. That's right. Presents for children in our lives. I saw a, a lounge fly. It's like a brand that I'm sure you'd recognize if you're familiar with these cutesy things. Wallet of Willy Wonka. So the front is Willy Wonka on a boat with a couple of Oompa Loompas and the back is all the kids. And it's so adorable and i get compliments on it from a lot of people um and then also i'm sure there are people who look at me and go you're an adult why do you have a cartoon wallet and i'm like nostalgia because i'm winning at life because i i choose to see fun in the world because i choose to live with colorful things about me and uh because i don't work in an office so who cares i can have whatever i want around my person to Mm. make me happy yeah we were saying watching the film about the insta trap idea of Willy Wonka, that the Charlie Bucket immersive experience would just be a sad Their drab attic house. room where you can just live in a bed with you can sleep in a bed with three other people. It's and like get a fed tiny shack water. down the street. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which honestly, you know, I'm I'm not that averse to. If I want to get fed some soup by some woman pretending to be my mom and she'll sing Cheer, Cheer Up Charlie, Jeffrey. I mean, have some soup. Have some hot cabbage water. I refuse to call it soup. It ain't soup. It's it, that cabbage water. I think he is doesn't made, even call it soup. I think it's the same water that she's using to beat this laundry out <laughs> in. I think it's just re- they're reusing it. This is just soapy water and joy. So the idea for adapting this book into film came about when the director's ten-year-old daughter read the book and asked her father to make a film out of it. Wow! With Uncle Dave, producer David L. Whopper, producing it. He showed the book to Walper, who was in the midst of talks with the Quaker Oats Company regarding a vehicle to introduce a new candy bar from its Chicago-based Breaker Confection subsidiary, since renamed Willy Wonka Candy Company. Wow. And Walper persuaded the company, which had no previous experience in the film industry, to buy the rights to the book and finance the picture for the purpose of promoting a new Quaker Oats Wonka bar. Wow. Wow. That is... This might be the first film to be made, like, with a candy company. That's wild. I mean, and like the funny thing is, is like that's that is different to me than like creating a reboot of something just for merch. You know, that feels a little less soulless. It's more like what's a creative way we can get funding to make this happen? Yeah, I know we can team up with a chocolate company because blah, 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 blah. Um, as and it's already an adaptation. It's not like yes, we are creating yes. this from scratch. As opposed to like we are just you know, doing the Cars franchise for merch or whatever, you know? Right, sure. There are more egregious examples than there's Cars, cer- but that's one that certainly are. Uh, and Walper is the one who decided that the film should be a musical. And so him and the director approached composers Richard Rogers, Henry Mancini, but both declined. And eventually they secured the songwriting team of Leslie Bercuse and Anthony Newley, which is the film's single Oscar nomination for Best Score. It's great. And they're a wonderful team for it because a lot of what they would do has a sort of playful lyrical feel like a, a sort of like magical element to it like the, yeah. you know dr doolittle was like their other big thing that right, and, and right. you know stop the world i want to get off and which is very different but at the same time like there's a real cheekiness and playful sensibility to everything that they have that they oh, made yeah. together yeah this movie, not a big success when it first came out, which I was kind of surprised to see because mm. I just assumed it was. But it uh, 
really did well on home video and became one of the most popular. Well, yeah, because kids can then rewatch it a million Absolutely. times. Absolutely. It was a very popular movie rental by the time the rental industry took off in the 80s. But when it first came out, it only earned $4 million worldwide on a budget of $3 million. Wow. So it was the 24th highest grossing film of the year in North America. So really kind of came and went. The casting director of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory was Marion Doherty. Doherty has also cast The World According to Garp, Lady Hawk, Lethal Weapon, The Lost Boys, and Tim Burton's Batman and Batman Returns. Now let's move on to some of the actors who were almost cast. Some of these people may have auditioned. Some may have just been discussed by casting. This is all subjective. And as always, I've looked up all the actors in advance, and Amy Jo is hearing it along with you, listener, for the very first time. So let's kick it off with old Charlie Bucket. Amy Jo, your thoughts on Peter Ostrom, and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? Uh, He's just so earnest and so sweet, and I think does a great job at, like, tugging at your heartstrings without ever being, like, cloying or yeah. annoying which because this is a bit of a sweet film yes it could be a bit syrupy sweet yes if you're not careful and i think they got this great kid who also just like manages to look like overwhelmed and bewildered a lot of times <laughs> that, that's his, he's got resting bewildered face whoa what's <laughs> happening to me um which you know makes you feel protective over him rather yeah. than like oh because sometimes you want to protect know, him from grandpa joe that oh, well, two-bit that, scoundrel absolutely this that grifter. is a guy that is a guy who is a used car salesman type if ever i've seen one step aside sam beauregard grandpa <laughs> joe is here but grandpa joe is the kind of oh man i just rewatched gremlins it's like the dad in gremlins who's oh. like constantly inventing stuff and you're like dude yeah. get it together <laughs> look at what's happening around you your family <laughs> loves you and you are squandering it on the the bathroom buddy <laughs> toothbrush thing stop it um and i feel that way about grandpa joe it's like mm-hmm. you you yeah. and your deals i get it so so yeah i feel like this kid is great i honestly um didn't think of other children for this i get it and that is fine because i did if this movie was made 10 years later 1981 willy wonka and the chocolate factory get me craig warnick of our previous episode time bandits another great oh. little kid lead performance oh and then it can be oh so cute then it can be the english kid or oh yes please yeah. <laughs> i know he's so good oh um, if this was made in like the 90s version, I think Elijah Wood would have been a such a sure, sweet little course, child. It's just thinking like who's the most adorable little kid actors that we had. And Elijah Wood was a cute little As kid. As opposed to like Macaulay Culkin, who was very cute, but what a stinker. Yeah. And you don't want that for this. No, 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 no. No Culkins. Be, no Culkins. No. no, they're they're all too like Kieran, I don't think so. Rory, oh. I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't um, but if this was made in here's the thing because i did see that charlie and chocolate factory so it's freddie highmore who's also in sure. you know, finding neverland a lot of sense. now he's the good doctor um i think that's the name of the show the good doctor a show i've never seen um but he he's really good but i was like oh if you had instead because only a year after was little miss sunshine i could see a version with abigail breslin yeah, as a little charlie bucket with grandpa joe alan arkin Oh, that's fun. Right? Like that's in the fun. 2000, like 2000, that's 2006, I think. Yeah. Um, so I would have really liked that. Or I don't think this should have been remade with Tim Burton. Nothing against the guy. This should have been remade with the Muppets. So for my Muppet version of this, <laughs> this would be Robin. Of and I know that it's like you think Kermit would be Willy Wonka, but I think I would have Kermit as Grandpa Joe. Yeah, and you could make I it like Uncle that. Joe or it's his dad. It yeah. could just be his dad, whatever. You can rewrite it. It doesn't really matter. I think the dad's alive in the book. I think I he's think in so the Tim too. Burton version. I forget, but I think so too. I think Tim Burton, they were like, oh, we do you want we should probably have the you know, dead dad syndrome. And Tim Burton was like, 
No. Oh, because they wanted, if Charlie doesn't have a dad, then Willy Wonka is there as kind of a father right. type mentor. And Tim Burton was like, Charlie should not look to Willy Wonka as a father mentor. Not the way I see Willy Wonka, this yeah. man who's been living alone in this factory for years with these little creatures that he's kidnapped and, and put to work. ER. <laughs> um, so I think Robin as Charlie and Kermit as, as Joe is who I'm casting so far in my Muppet cast. Hundreds of boys were screen tested oh, for the role of Charlie. Peter Ostrom was cast days before production was wow. due to start. He mentioned in the commentary that towards the end of the shoot, because they shot in order for the factory scenes at least, and he, him being the only kid left, that him and Gene Wilder often ate lunch together, and they would finish their lunches by sharing a chocolate bar for dessert as they walked back to the set. <laughs> <laughs> There's that really sweet picture that I found of the two of them clearly in costume, but like Peter Elsner was wearing the oh. wearing the big brown top hat of, yeah. of Gene Wilder. It was just so cute. This was the only film role for Peter Ostrom. He turned down David L. Walper's offer for a three-movie contract because he wanted to keep his options open. After feeling underwhelmed at the premiere of Willy Wonka, he bought a horse, which led to him later becoming a veterinarian. That this, like, oh. I don't know how much of it was an impulse buy that you're like, oh, I've got all this money from this movie. I'm going to buy a pony. I'm going to do whatever kid wants, and I'm right. going to get me a pony. But that, that's what led to him like finding the career that he was meant, meant to, to have. Yeah. He only tried once to return to acting, which is kind of funny considering that he bought a horse and became a veterinarian when he auditioned to take over for Peter Firth after he left the original Broadway production of Equus. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no. I know. I don't know if it was just like, it's horses. I got to get in. I got to get in there. I know. I knew horses. I was out, but they're doing a play with horses. They pulled me back in. Oh, wait, he does what to the horses? I got to get back out. <laughs> I'll see myself out. <laughs> Um, so one other actor who I saw was up for this was Mark Lester, who plays Oliver in the okay, 60s musical version The one kid of I was going to suggest, but I just didn't know his name. I was like, you know, the kid who plays Oliver, because he's also like, I have blonde floppy right. hair and I look precious. Well, he, it's funny that that's your impression of him because he was turned down because of his high-pitched singing voice. <laughs> <laughs> it's very high in the movie. I got a golden it's yeah, he doesn't sound, he doesn't have that like, that like kid voice, you know? Right. I was at a rehearsal earlier today where I was dialect coaching someone in another room and I then was like going back into the main room to return a script and I was standing outside and I could hear like a few people singing and I was like, oh right, there's a kid in this show. Cause I can uh, hear that kind of like, that way that like a 10 year old sounds, you know, that kind of like, yeah. And right. the, uh, Oliver, he's a <laughs> It's very, very light and floaty. And you know, I appreciate it that the people cast in this film were not cast as singers first. Yes. You know, like oh, all the singing was, certainly from Bill, kid was Bill not. the Candyman to the kids. They're all just like, these are all people that can hold a tune, yeah. but are like not, this is the greatest singing in the world, but I kind of enjoyed it. It but kind it, of added to the charm. For I me. agree. Cause it's not, they're also not trying to sing, sing. Right. And that fills it more with a real, I don't know, that pedestrian quality makes it feel very lived in, in a way. Yeah. Um, I mean, the mom's a singer, you know, even though she's she's not, like, giving me, like, diva, but she, like, is uh, the best but, singer. But what if she suddenly did? I mean, that would be something. If then there's a dream sequence... <laughs> And it becomes That's, a disco um, number. Yeah, this is uh, like the burlesque version or just like some kind of cabaret act version. You're singing Cheer Up Charlie as Charlie's mom, but then you like 
that you strip off the outfit to reveal like a lettuce dress. It's all made of the lettuce, the cabbage from, that you're making your soup out oh, of. Oh dear. Oh dear. <laughs> no, let's move on to Bill, our candy man. Amy, your thoughts on Aubrey Woods as Bill, the candy man. And who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? He's great. I think one of the things that's so successful about the way they've cast this film is all of the adults, except for the mom. And I think the intention of the grandparents there's something slightly ominous about all of them. <laughs> yeah, this, this guy looks a bit like Brad Dorif. A bit, And it's yeah. wild to me that he is your candyman dealing with these kids when yeah. he looks like he should be potentially a murderer. But when you think about, like, Slugworth and Wonka, it's like everybody in this business is rough, you know? Like, it's just, it's a little ominous, and yet, like, I don't know. It's, it's just got a twinge of, like, creepy. He's not cuddly. Nope. Nothing <laughs> no, cuddly about not. this guy. But I really, I like him. I like him a lot. My first thought was, duh, Anthony Newley, um, mm. who is a, you know, marvelous singer and performer. He's a bit more like jovial homespun, kind, or not homespun. A bit more just, suave. Well, I don't even mean that. I mean, like, a bit more like working class kind of a lad type thing, as okay. opposed to... Opposed to sad Dorif in this movie instead. <laughs> no, just... They actually have a lot of similar qualities, but I think like Anthony Newley is a bit more of a comic like hmm. character. Um, but I think that it would have been a very easy, easy fit. Um, if you, so I've, wow. The, looking at the list of all these people that I was like, I don't know, maybe this person, it is wild in here. Um, I was like, okay, if you wanted someone, if you wanted someone even creepier and more intense, this is much more recently. Sure, Joaquin Phoenix would fit the bill. <laughs> Joaquin Phoenix is the candy man. Yeah, I was just thinking about how this guy would creep me out as a kid. Oh it's also God. that like chord at the end. Candy man, thanks, itch. I mean, it cuts honestly, to- not not anymore, but at a certain point I could see Joaquin Phoenix as a Willy Wonka. For sure. Yes. The malice, the malevolence. But I do feel like this is the kind of thing where and I did not see the stage production, so I don't actually know like of Charlie and the Chocolate. Yes. Factory. I don't yeah. actually know like what all if any of this was retained or you know. But, like, if this movie is a stage production, the guy who plays Bill the Candyman is covering Willy Wonka. That's just the way that it is. Oh. He's playing this, and then he's the understudy. So oh. then the, the swing goes in for Bill the Candyman when he is on for Willy Wonka. That's yeah. how I see this. Oh, I got that. In the way also that they've cast this guy. This guy could be Willy Wonka in a regional production. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Um, Maybe on the Bedford... <laughs> Bedford Boys uh, Bedford stage. Boys Ranch. Bedford yes. Bedford Boys Ranch. This Thank guy you. is better than, no offense. He's better to, than Bedford? <laughs> better than Bedford. Better than Bedford, see? Um, no no offense to the guy, I think his name was Greg, that played Willy Wonka. No offense to longtime listener long-time Greg. Longtime listener Greg. Um, <laughs> Question mark. Who also one time, you know, they do the intros where you're like coming into the chocolate factory. <laughs> Greg and the chocolate factory. Greg and the chocolate. And he would, you know, say each of our names where it was like, and we do our little bit. And he got to me one day and he goes, you're Veruca Salt. And I went, no, I'm not. Because I wasn't. Famously, I was Violet Famously, Beauregard. famously. And he was like, oh, yes. And like the adults were so impressed with me. And I was like, well, you're all acting in a community theater production. And I'm not long for this world, you know. <laughs> um, I was like, why? What yeah. What would you have said? Stood there looking at him until he said the right name? I'm just going to go with it. But yeah, good old Greg What do you say was, when someone looks at you and calls you by the wrong name? You would say, no, I'm not. Saucily, while smacking your gum um 
Anyway, Hugh Laurie. <laughs> sure. Hugh Laurie. You know what? That strikes the right balance. If I he's think a bit so. cuddly, he's a bit grumpy. I and get. he's very funny. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And then I was like, okay, if this were the type of thing where I know he would want to play Willy Wonka, but if it was just like, we're not letting you do that, but we'll let you bip in and bip out, this is a real Na- Neil Patrick Harris situation. Mm. Let him come in, sing the yep. one number, and get out of there. Perfect usage of Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah, not Harris. too much. Yeah. A featured number. Very careful. Gotta be really careful with the amount of that Neil Patrick Harris. That's you you don't want to tip the whole bottle of Neil Patrick Harris in when you're making the cake, or it's gonna be reeking with too much NPH. Yeah. 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 The NPH balance will be all off. Gotta be careful that NPH balance. Um, here are some people. I I had never done this before, but I was like, oh, let me look up like who were people up for Tony Awards around this time. Oh, that's fun. I thought so. So here are actors who are the right age that I think would be a really fun color in here. Give me a Robert Morse of How to Succeed in Business without really trying. And Mad Men. And Mad Men. A lot of people knew him from. Ben Vereen is doing Pippin in 73. So I'm like, this guy is working. This guy's around. That's what I want. Ben Vereen is also that great. But I mean, leading player is exactly that. You're like, I like you. And I don't know if I should. Uh, oh, give me Rene Aubergenois, who oh, Tony sure. winner, you, some people might know. Uh, he's been on, I mean, his, he was in everything. I think he's passed now, but he was in everything from, oh, he was Odo on Star Trek, Deep Space Nine. I saw him a lot on Boston Legal. But you might know him probably best as Chef Louis from The Little Mermaid, is <laughs> the singing and speaking voice Le Poisson, Chef Louis. Le Poisson, Le Poisson. Le Poisson. Um, you know, it'd be bananas, Robert Goulet. <laughs> I'd be so silly. I get a it. 1971 Robert Goulet, Robert Goulet mm-hmm. as the, the candy, candy man. man. Yeah. <laughs> What's the problem here? The candy man can. Oh, come on, bar. kids. You can come behind the counter and raid the candy. This is a great business strategy. <laughs> <laughs> or if this is made later, once again, just give me Broadway people. So put give me Danny Burstein. Oh, in here. Oh, classic. Recent Tony winner for Ziggler and uh, Moulin Rouge. It was, I think, his, what, seventh nomination he so. finally won for? Um, or a Boyd Gaines, I think, would be really lovely here. Sure, And sure. in my Muppet version, this is this has Scooter written all <laughs> over it. Scooter, classic Candyman guy. But I could see if you, like, maybe want a Fozzie or a Rolf would also be lovely here. Would do lovely work. As for the actors who were actually considered, Don Lane, who I'm unfamiliar with, but apparently was a talk show host. Yeah, I know the name. Of the Don Lane show. Yeah. Uh, so he was considered, uh, who wanted to play Bill, understandably, Sammy Davis Jr. <gasps> but Stuart did not like the idea because he felt that the presence of a big star in the candy store scene would break yes. the reality, especially because this person never comes back. Exactly. And then you're like waiting. And also then it kind of takes the excitement away from billing toward Wonka. Right. Although I guess he comes back. He's in then the scene where Charlie gets the golden ticket. He buys the candy yeah, bar but from like, him. But it's then, so in the front yeah. of the film. Yeah. Um, that's so interesting, though, because he would be great. And then, of course, would make that song one of his yeah. signatures. Um, instead, in 1971, Sammy Davis Jr. was doing this Western with Ernest Borgnine called The Trackers, which sounds interesting. Hmm. Um, although now talking about it, like I could see the version of this where you have the same actor play the Candyman and Willy Wonka. Like would that probably to work me better on stage. Makes- a lot of sense. It would work great on stage. Yeah. I wonder if that's a thing that they did. <laughs> Maybe they did. <laughs> we won't. We'll never know. We'll listener. never know because I didn't go. But what we do know is a ding, ding, ding to Amy Joe because Anthony Newley also wanted to play Bill. But of for course. the same reason, Stuart dissuaded him. Because it's big funny because like now 
people who aren't like musical theater aficionados or like who don't know like the films of that era are not like don't really know who Anthony Newley is. But at the time right. he was a huge star, like especially in the UK. Mm. Um, So like it does make sense that that would feel like. Uh, yeah yeah more more weighted but yeah that i was just like why isn't this anthony Newley? i remember watching it this yeah. time going like why isn't this anthony newley why isn't this sam davis jr why isn't it ben vereen yeah i know but it's also like anthony newley wrote this song why isn't it robert goulet <laughs> i those were not thoughts that occurred to me that well that makes one of us um no i hear you anthony newley should be they should just got anthony newley who cares it'd be great what do we talk what do we talk we talk instead we got sad dorf and that i don't care for it i get what you're saying but i no. i did not this guy but you know what i also in the wrong this way. is the kind of thing where i've watched this movie again so many times that i'm like right. is indelible yeah, lives yeah. forever in this candy shop yeah <laughs> Well, let's talk about another indelible performance. Let's move on to Violet's father, Sam Beauregard. Amy, Joe, your thoughts on Leonard Stone, and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? Leonard comes in and crushes it. All of these parents, like, just the their energies are so clear, so sharp, so distinct. I was like, bless all of these character actors. I love all of them so much. I don't know any of them from anything else. But I enjoy them all from this. He just comes in with that yeah, Sam Beauregard here. Just like so great. I really enjoy him. My first thought was Bob Odenkirk. Oh, that is a great casting. for. This I thought that's today, a very like easy fit to yeah. slip into like the kind of the same same style. Um, very fun. Um, and then my other thought slightly more not laid back, but just because he's just goofier. Uh, Fred Willard. Little less oh. fast talking, but still like I think yeah. kind of fits in there. So, Amazing, yeah, I love that. Um, yeah, I thought this guy was great. I wasn't really familiar with him. Uh, he had done a lot of TV, especially in the seventies and eighties. Sanford and Son, Mash, Dukes of Hazard, stuff like this. That's but, I said when we were watching. I was like, I bet you him and because we'll also talk about Mrs. TV. I was like, you know, these actors did so oh, yeah. many TV spots, never stopped working. Different energies, different energies. Right, right for the age wise. Um, I could see he'd be a little young, but he's like still in his early 40s. Jerry Stiller. He occurred to me, too. Yeah. I thought it would have great. Give me Peter Falk here. I think would be oh, a delight. Hey. Um, and if this is made later, very different versions. I could see it's a bit against type, but I see the William H. Macy version of this. Okay. Yeah. More to the type, I see the Christopher McDonald version of this oh, that I think would be really fun. We're not recommending Christopher McDonald enough on this here podcast. When that man is right for a role, that man, man crushes that no, role. It's like he just comes in yeah. and it's like nobody can top that From guy. Shooter McGavin and Happy Gilmore to him and Thelma and Louise. Him and I mean, Thelma and Louise. So and, and I mean, it's Louise. so good. Um, or I could see a Don Cheadle, also slightly against mm, type, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. I, I think would be he would add a very fun flavor to it. Uh, and in my version of the Muppets, I think all the parents are the live action actors. Oh, really? I think all of them but are just like their feet. fun little, <laughs> just, they're <laughs> just <laughs> Nana in the Muppet <laughs> baby show. They're just the feet. And you're hearing, you're hearing Christopher McDonald, but you're not actually seeing him. Sure, 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 sure. As for the actors who were considered, uh, this actor Brian Murphy was approached, not too familiar with him. Uh, but in 1971, he had... Two separate Ken Russell films, The Devils with Vanessa Redgrave, and a small role in the movie of the Broadway musical The Boyfriend with Twiggy, Tommy Toon, and Glenda Jackson. Wow. Glenda I know. Jackson? Has a cameo. She's, I don't really know the show, but apparently it's like, I guess Twiggy 
like takes over a role for some more established star uh-huh. and Glenda Jackson is that established star. Oh, so apparently so it's like a one day cameo. Wow. And then she gets the hammer. She gets the end Glenda Jackson credit. And Jim Backus was considered. And you might be saying, I don't know who Jim Backus is. I don't know who Jim Backus is. But you do. I know you must know Thurston Howell III from Gilligan's Island. Oh, I mean, I, I, I know that exists. This guy was Thurston Howell III in Gilligan's Island, a show I watched one billion episodes of growing I watched, up. I watched a few episodes of growing up. And he was the voice of Mr. Magoo. <gasps> and he's James Dean's dad in Rebel Without a Cause. Wow. I know. Wow. Those are three very separate You know career what? Actors elements. can act. They sure can. Looking it up, I was like, oh, Gilligan's Island. Wait, what's this? There's like the further adventures of Gilligan's Island that's an anime, like a cartoon with all of them back. Wow. And then there's Gilligan's Planet, which only lasted like half a season. Would they get lost in space? They sure did get lost in space. Wow, that Gilligan really, there's no end to where he (laughs) cannot uh, accurately get you to. (laughs) It's very true. Uh, But let's move on to Mrs. TV. Your thoughts on Nora Denny, or she's credited in this film and in a few others, Dodo Denny. And who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? She's so great. Like there's, it's also, she has one of those little, you know, those random little passages of lines where it's like the line itself isn't like that exciting, but right. because it, I've, I've heard people do this in the wild uh, off apropos of nothing. Someone just goes, like plays a little something on the piano, Rachmaninoff. Oh, like Rachmaninoff. The secret like code to get in through yeah, the door is like a little chocolate. piano. It's like such a yeah. the, it's like the tempo of her delivery and everything, and her kind of like pl- how pleased she is with herself for being like, oh, I know that. That's Rachmaninoff. It's a great line delivery. It is, and everything she does is just I don't know. I just I think she is a real hoot. Up through um, her exit with her like this <laughs> goggle eyed like fainting oh that's right yeah uh, she's having to be dragged away uh, yeah is in, is some fine Her work i must screaming, say screaming getting covered in the foam yes we were like oh what a day of filming <laughs> i'm yeah. sending you the cleaning bill mr wonka i know and charlie charlie gets blasted in the face of oh the and phone he's the height, laughing the height level this true kid that's is true. having a ball oh You're like this kid yeah. is like wowie wow i'm making a movie <laughs> Uh, so I thought she was great. My now this person too famous for this role, but I was like, wouldn't Carol Barnett be fun in oh, this part? Uh, yeah. Also, sure. never recommended Carol Barnett for a no. movie, and she's just great. Yeah. Um, I thought I was thinking a lot of like comedians for this Love role. It. I was like, honestly, like Darcy Carden would be very fun in this. Just you want someone who's just kind of like a, a little uptight and happy, so that you see them crumble. I was also thinking a lot about, because I started thinking comedians, I started thinking like SNL alums. And I was like, oh, Sherry O'Terry. Oh. This fits really nicely yeah. in that. Uh, and then, I mean, um, then kind of in between her and Darcy Carden would be like an Amy Poehler. You know, totally. just like a yeah. lot of different like cheerful comedians that you just want to see fall yeah. apart. Yeah. Uh, kind of the same with uh, Leonard Stone. Um, Nora worked, but just a lot of random, mostly TV very couple film appearances she had like a few episodes of green acres here she's in splash the tom hanks film Mm -hmm. but um not not a ton of credits but i think she's so delightful in this two other actors i could think of at the time would be the right age give me give me a betty white Mm -hmm. give me a cloris leachman i kind of thought of estelle getty speaking of other uh um that's probably better as far as the golden girls casting goes than betty white yeah i love that 
so was supposed to play it, but had to turn it down. Here's what I, I saw some shenanigans. So I'll start by saying Jean Stapleton. Whoa. I know. I saw that she turned it down to do the pilot of All in the Family. But All in the Family started in 1968, and this film is 1971. And I know films can take a long time to make, but I feel like that's a bit... That feels a bit yeah. slippery. Although, who knows when they were Or you auditioned for this. this, the film then got pushed back yeah, that's, a few I wonder years. If that's it, yeah. Who knows? But I think that's a bit... I, don't, I feel like that's a, someone's having a little fun. I don't think that she turned down this to do All in the Family. Right. But she would have been doing like season three of All in the yeah. Family at this point. In 1971, Gene Stapleton, along with All in the Family, was in a Clute and this movie Cold Turkey, which was directed by Norman Lear, who created All in the Family, uh-huh. uh, which is a movie starring Dick Van Dyke, where hoping for positive publicity, a tobacco company offers $25 million to any American town that quits smoking for 30 days, and amidst a media frenzy, Eagle Rock, Iowa, accepts the challenge, while Dick Van Dyke, the company's PR man, tries to sabotage the effort. Well, that's an interesting premise. That's a fun little that's premise. That's a very 70s premise. That's absolutely <gasps> that's a like, 70s premise. If you buy old copies of like Life magazine or whatever, one of my favorite things is to look at all the ads because they're just oh, wild. Yeah. But there's inevitably the back cover is a tobacco ad. And it's, there's this one that I have that's just like all these little boxes of all these celebrities saying like why they love this one brand of cigarette. It's so mild. Like clearly <laughs> none of them have said these things. They're all saying yeah. we're the same kind of like right. mild, so easy on that, this and that. And it's all like, actors and opera singers singers singers. yes so to be like oh see it's fine this opera singer says (laughs) this is the mildest cigarette you can smoke (laughs) (laughs) it's Pavarotti recommended I'll I'll try and find I'll try and find where that, at least one of these are because it just I would I would just go through John Wayne of course like but just it was was the singers that you're like wow John Wayne extolling the virtues of a cigarette is like he didn't even realize he was being recorded or or filmed he he certainly wasn't saying they're so mild but um you know when i go sing uh madam butterfly i oh partner i always make sure to light up (laughs) oh brother uh finally let us move on to the titular character Willy Wonka himself. Amy Jo, your thoughts on Gene Wilder and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? I love Gene Wilder. I mean, I this mean, is an iconic performance. And watching it, you know, we just rewatched Young Frankenstein in October. Also watching it right after that. It's just like, man, he's so good. Yeah. He just oozes charm and mischief. And I don't know. I just, I love him. I love this performance. I think it's great. I have gone through and done this by decade. I'm missing like the 2010s. So know that that everything else is. So if this, if we have a different option for the seventies, Dudley Moore. Oh, for the eighties, Robin Williams Mm. for the nineties, Eddie Murphy for the early two thousands, Hugh Jackman. And for like the mid, like, again, I don't have 2010s like to now. I know we have Timothy Chalamet, but like more like 2010s to closer to now, Dev Patel. Mm. oh i like that all very different people that i could see being kind of different aspects of what we get from gene wilder um we get different things from all of them but um yeah i dig it i dig it yeah i i didn't realize a how few relatively few credits gene wilder had overall while he's with us only like 30 something credits on imdb over you know a career that started in the 60s um but this was like he 
had his like first film is like breakout was in 1967. He had both Bonnie and Clyde previous episode and the producers, which got him an Oscar nomination for best supporting actor. And then three years of nothing. 1970, he does Start the Revolution Without Me. Very fun, very underrated comedy with him and Donald Sutherland. And then this is 1971. So also very early in his career. And he's just hitting nothing but net with all these films. I do wonder if that three years, and I I think he has a biography out that I could read, but I have not. Um, But like, I wonder if that time in between the producers and these other things, if that was like a choice. You know, also like, you know, from my friends that have gotten like major awards or major award nominations, it does become then a very difficult negotiation of you can't just take any role. That's true. You have to like think carefully about what your next choice will be. What's going to be your follow up to the thing that got you an Oscar nomination, the thing that you won a Tony for. You know, you can't just go back to being in the ensemble. So, yeah, I wonder how much of it was that and how much of it was just like nothing happening. Yeah. Don't know. I had a hard time figuring out actors as alternates for 1971. And the two best I could come up with is like, he might be too sweet, but like I could see the Dick Van Dyke version Mm -hmm. I would be interested in. Or the person that I'm like, he might be a bit too big. I don't know, but he can give me the mischief. I could see Peter O'Toole. Sometimes Mm -hmm. he would dip into like comedy. For sure. And like I I could see him potentially getting convinced to do this. Yeah, and I the think ruling he would give class actually take. is giving me a lot of this kind of flavor. Totally. And made later, absolutely Robin Williams, Kevin Klein, of course. Yeah, for sure. Um, and Jeff Goldblum. I'm not getting oh, I mean yeah. I don't get the last flavor as hard of the like, don't for you know, once you get the actual like you did it, Charlie. Yeah. And now I can finally drop the mean act. I get all the Jeff Goldblum being like, no, stop, wait. All Stop, that. Wait, but Robin please. Williams, I can hear, yeah. Robin Williams is giving me any, any if it made in the eighties or nineties. Yeah, it's Robin Williams. I was just thinking of like between him, like everything he did in the eighties. But thinking of like marrying Aladdin with Dead Poet Society actually gives us Willy Wonka in oh, a lot of ways. You yeah. know, uh, you have all the madcap stuff of the genie and all that kind of chaos, but, but then like bringing it into this mentor figure that we have, and also just see like the different kinds of things yeah. he was interested in making and a dollop of Hulk. A dollop of Peter just a, and Hulk. Just a little bit just of a, a dollop, dollop of Peter. Uh, and I think if I'm having Kermit as Grandpa Joe or Uncle Joe, whatever you want to make, then it's Gonzo. It's Gonzo yeah. as, as Willy Wonka. Obviously. I think Here's it is. Here's the thing. Love Kermit. I don't think he's got the stuff it takes <laughs> to play Willy Wonka. Not the Willy Wonka I want to see. And then instead of the Oompa Loompas, it's all these chickens. It's all these chickens. <laughs> Camilla has head. Bok, 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 bok. And they would still be subtitled of what they're actually saying, but all the songs would just be box. <laughs> it makes these songs better, I'm saying. Uh, so the actors that auditioned for Willy Wonka auditioned in a suite at the Plaza Hotel in New York. And by the end of the week, Gene Wilder walked in. And it was then that Mel Stewart and David L. Walper realized that they could stop looking. And Walper said, quote, the role fit him tighter than one of Jacques Cousteau's wetsuits. <laughs> What a metaphor. Uh, The director, Mel Stewart, said he was captivated by Wilder's humor in his eyes and said his inflection was perfect. He had the sardonic, demonic edge that we were looking for. Walper tried to suppress Stewart's eagerness for the actor as he wanted to negotiate the salary, but Mel Stewart ran out into the hall as Wilder was leaving and offered him the part of Wonka right there. You're like, man, 
if you're the actor coming in after Gene Wilder, you're like, well, screw me, I guess. I guess. Uh... Gotta get in early. Gotta get in early. Uh, and yeah, I think it's just so indelible. Uh, but there were a lot of other actors that were considered. Roald Dahl's original choice to play Willy Wonka was Spike Milligan of The Goon Show, which was an inspiration for Mon- big inspiration for Monty Python. Mm. Uh, in 1971, Spike Milligan instead had 15 episodes of the Marty Feldman comedy machine. Wow, what do you know? This comedy, The Magnificent Seven Deadly Sins, and a Peter Cook TV movie, An Apple a Day. Speaking of Peter Cook, Peter Cook was considered for Willy Wonka. There you go. Oh, Mowage. Mowage is what brings us together. together. And and previous Previous episode, episode, Supergirl. We can't forget Nigel Nigel. from Supergirl. No, I mean, I can't. Unfortunately, it's all there in my brain now. (laughs) Uh, Apparently, Don Lane, the host who auditioned for Bill the Candyman, Mm -hmm. his audition went so well and impressed the director so much that he was also considered for Willy Wonka as well. So again, again, a world in which maybe it's a dual role, a Peter Sellers situation, if you will. Yeah. If Peter Sellers is up for this, he's like, no, uh, what if I also played uh, Bill the Candyman and uh, maybe the teacher that has that little (laughs) bit about percentages and not being able to calculate just two. And then at the comment at the end, and I try to steal away and marry one of these kids. (laughs) Oh, my God. Lolita reference. Denise uh, uh, Nicholson, I think is her last name. Nickerson. Nickerson. um, Who played Violet Beauregard, played Lolita in a stage musical adaptation. No. I have no, recommended it previously no. on the po- not not that I'm not recommending that. There's um a this We recommend great, you go out and buy the eight track album. To oh man. Lolita, well, you can't you can't find it. But um there I've recommended it previously on I forget what episode sometime last year, but there's a podcast called Lolita Podcast yeah. that is brilliant a really fascinating look at like the book and you know what Nabokov was really writing about uh, and uh, you know how it's been misinterpreted and used as a as a tool to further abuse by abusers and, and then about all these different adaptations mm. and they talk about how how do you and then to do it on stage and how do they handle mm. that and all this and yeah. so they have some clips like audio clips that they they have found of like recordings from this Whoa. stage show and you can hear her in it because oh. she ultimately replaced replaced someone who quit or was i forget exactly like it's there's so much but it's fascinating and i was like violet beauregard but yeah i mean i recommend that podcast quite heartily lolita podcast yeah and funnily enough i'll go ahead and give you a ding 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 though he wasn't necessarily considered peter sellers was desperate to play the role and begged roald Dahl for approval color me unsurprised yeah. which i mean like i get he'd it. be great yeah i absolutely see it yeah who was interested and who i see less elvis presley well you know we all have aspirations to do things that maybe we shouldn't do yeah especially 1971 elvis presley yeah i mean I'm not sure about that. Um, he expressed interest, honestly, just probably too old at the time. But Fred Astaire wanted to play the role. He was 72 at the time. That's that's funny to think of a Willy Wonka older than the actor playing Grandpa Joe, who's been bedridden for. This is years. true. But if you're ending the film and he's like, I need someone to take over. Yeah, that makes more I sense am than like 72. Wilder's like 38, something yeah. like that, like yeah. mid to late 30s. Um, but like I, the idea of it. I, so I like it see. a lot. And then you get a lovely little like gentle, gentle tap yeah. in there at some point. I mean, because clearly the book was written after the fact. But if this was like a 1950s, like big MGM style musical oh, with yeah. Fred Astaire as Willy oh, Wonka. That would be a delight. Or give me Gene Kelly. Or Gene Kelly. I was just thinking Gene Look, Kelly. Fred Astaire, I think, makes more sense. But Gene Kelly, I'm also just a, I, I just prefer, I, I've seen a lot more Gene Kelly than Fred Astaire. 
now that I'm talking about it, maybe it is actually a better fit for Fred Astaire. I, I was thinking Gene Kelly just in terms of like not caring about these kids getting killed. He does have the, yeah, he definitely <laughs> has a bit of a, you look at any role Gene Kelly plays and you're like, wow, this guy is not nice. But the only reason it works is because Gene Kelly just reeks charm. Oh, it's true. But it's like, true. that's why so many adaptations that have Gene Kelly roles on stage, I'm like, does are not hard. Are hard. work for me. Yeah. Sure. Uh, John Pertwee had to turn down the role because he was in the tight schedule of Doctor Who. I was about to say, that's a doctor for sure. Although he was able to fit into 1971, the horror anthology The House That Dripped Blood with Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing and Denholm Elliott. Wow. This movie, look this up, The House That Dripped Blood. Great picture or great poster which is uh, Christopher Lee's like head on like a dinner plate, like being served. It's very funny. And the tagline, I love the tagline because the tagline is all with exclamation points. Vampires, voodoo, vixens, victims. Terror waits for you in every room in the house that dripped blood. The only V missing there is Vincent Price. And Vincent Price, how do you miss Vincent? Vincent! There, that's, I mean, vampires, voodoo, vixens, victims. Vincent! Vincent! <laughs> Uh, Ron Moody turned it down. Speaking of Oliver, oh. old Fagan from that 1960s. Well, it could have been a reunion. It could have been a reunion. Really could have. Instead, 1971, Ron Moody had an episode of Shirley MacLaine's short-lived show, Shirley's World, and this movie that sounds like an Irish Night of the Hunter called Flight of the Doves, <laughs> which while fleeing- Night of the Hunter and Flight of the Doves. <laughs> while fleeing across the Irish countryside, two orphans are pursued by their villainous uncle, a master of disguises. Okay. That's the end. That's, that's the, it. That's the plot. A master of disguises. Master of disguises. He is. Um, so pretty much from what I could see, all of Monty Python wanted to play Willy Wonka. This is every also member T to B. Uh, but at the time, because Monty Python started in 1969, which is probably oh, when so they're, they're casting. Like, they're like not yet no. this comedic juggernaut. Exactly. They were not deemed big enough names for an international audience. Because in 1971 is the year of their first film, and now for something completely different, oh, wow. which was intended to introduce them to a wider American audience. Interesting. And of them, it's like, I mean, John Cleese probably makes to me i'm seeing like eric, eric idol I, eric idol i mean the, the curls the yeah. hair i i get that as well i think eric idol or maybe john michael Cleese, palin, temperamentally, you know, like maybe michael palin yeah. yeah but i feel like john cleese to me is just a little too order clown you're right, you're right. you know and yeah. then um Graham, uh, 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 whatever, Graham, Graham Chapman. Chapman, thank you. S- a little similar to me, you know. I have, you know respect. what? Yeah, maybe the Whereas Eric Idle and Michael Palin both have like a yeah. gentler kind of mischief to them in the way that they're, you know, they're coming at things a little less directly and a little right. more like from the side, yeah. just comedically. That feels like that's useful to Willy Wonka. I agree. Michael Crawford was considered. Wow. I mean, he would have sung the crap out of pure imagination. Now that's true. The old original Phantom, if you are not familiar with Michael Crawford. But that sound means it's time to play a quick round of Two Truths and Some Guy. I almost forgot this game had to happen. The way it works, two of the following actors were up for the role of Willy Wonka, and one was not. Amy Jo is to guess which is which. Your options are... Dudley Moore, Joel Grey, and Julie Andrews. Okay. Wow. Now, here's questions for me. You're not going to tell me. Do you put Dudley Moore on there? Because you're like, I'll bet this is the thing that Amy will think of. Oh, just looking so sweet and innocent, and I'll never tell. I'm actually recreating the, the, the meme 
picture of Gene Wilder as Willy Wonka. Or <laughs> you just are. Like that. You eh. are. Ah, I'm going to say, I'm going to say Dudley Moore. I'm sorry. That's incorrect. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, so ring a ding ding to me. Ring a ding ding to you. Dudley Moore was indeed considered for Willy Wonka. So I feel like oh, Julie Andrews is so wild and I feel like a terrible fit for it, but so bad that like, look at you and your impassive, unable to read it face. Also, Thank Joel you. Gray. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's incorrect. It was just, how dare you? Like, I know, I'll put out something so absolutely bonkers. Well, look, here's the thing. Thinking of her as Mary Poppins, I do think that there's a bit of the that's like- That's true, that's true. I could actually just... see a Julie Andrews version of this. So I did. I thought that was actually a pretty good pick. That's true. I'm just not thinking, Mary Poppins is not ever the first thing I think of with Julie Andrews. Um, And so I don't think- What's your first thing you think of? Well, I think like My Fair Lady and mm, I, th- I mean, not sure. the moviness, but the show you know, but or like, like the sound, show sound or, of music, or Camelot, Sound of Music for sure. Gotcha. And gotcha. those are just much more They're Yeah. They're just all much less no. um, that kind of like, because I also don't think Mary Poppins isn't mischievous. She has a slight impishness. Well, I'm saying I could. No, but I see, see what you're that, saying. That, you're I right. Totally that that is not the strong suit of the performance, but I could see it. She does have a it. twinkle in the eye. She's got that twinkle you know? in the eye. Um, Joel Gray was the front runner for Willy Wonka. Hey, that's actually really good thinking. And it's like coming off the heels of, well, no, but Cabaret was a. Uh, the show of Cabaret had come out, but not yeah. the film. Yeah. Um, which I believe is the next year, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's 72. Uh, but he was the front runner, but the director decided he wasn't physically imposing enough as the actor's height was five foot five. Well, this is the thing when you're working with kids, like you probably often will find taller actors playing uh, against them. So the kids seem even smaller, especially depending on how long the shoot is and if they're going to grow, you know? True. Yeah. So I do, I do get that. I, I guess, but part of me is kind of like, I don't know. You got the big top hat on him anyway, but he's also like if he's to the kids, it's like I don't know. Um, But I love the idea of it. Joel Gray, Willy Wonka. I'm just saying it's irritating, but I do understand like how they arrived at that. I would hope it wasn't like you know this director like. I mean, we cast you, but everyone's going to be looking at the screen and being like, which one's Willy Wonka? Which one's the Oompa Loompas? Y'all the same height. You know what I mean? Yeah. Joel. Joel. Well, Hollywood is famously trash. Stupid. Um, but those are the characters that I found other casting options for, but there are a few characters we didn't mention. We got to briefly touch on them. That stinker, Grandpa Joe. Peter Ostrom said that Jack Albertson was just wonderful and became his mentor mm. while filming, which I thought was so so sweet well that's um, great when you're paired with someone that they can like help you and guide you and all of that yeah and i mean he is great he is oh he's in, great in my issues are is that with, he's a real my issue, jerk off the performance but. is beautiful <laughs> the text really irritates me uh so diana Saul, who plays mrs bucket charlie's mom weird trying to look up info on her is strange because apart from this film her only other imdb credits are cameos in Clear and Present Danger and Guarding Tess, two films that both came out in 1994. Huh. And voicing a few roles in the 2008 video game Fallout 3. That's it. So I'm guessing she was a theater actor. She must be. Looking her up on Wikipedia, she was born in California, but lived in Germany for 20 years. Oh. And they filmed there. So she must have been like a local I bet that's what it was, is they were like, oh, great. You're actually American. And you sing and you can be here. Yeah. 
I'll bet that's that's how that happened. Yeah, I have no idea if this is related to why she was in Germany or related to the sporadic nature of like her film credits, but apparently her husband was in the CIA. That's all I could I, find. I, so well, famously I mean, they're not super like open about that kind. Of. They're not, but I want to know for my podcast <laughs> about movies. <laughs> Can I have these sealed records for Thank your CIA you. husband? I need to know about this CIA man. I need to know why you weren't doing more Hollywood films. <laughs> I need to know for my episode on Willy Wonky and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> Please and thank you. What? I'm being arrested. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the child actors audition from hundreds and hundreds of people, of course. Uh, Julie Don Cole, Denise Nickerson, Peter Ostrom, and Paris Themen all had acting experience from stage school, theater, TV, or commercials. Michael Bolner, who played Augustus Gloop, was discovered in Germany. When Stuart was location scouting, Stuart asked him to imagine being stuck in a tube and then, quote, squeezed him like a roll of putty. So apparently wow. that was this kid's audition, was wow. acting like he's being crushed in a tube. <laughs> uh, so Denise Nickerson, old Violet Beauregard. Uh, now, how did you... Because wait, in the book, is she turned into a blueberry or does she meet some different fate in the book? Oh, no, it's the other one. The other one, I think, is not the golden eggs in the yeah. book. I think it's the I forget something exactly, else. But, yeah. um, but did you did they turn you blue in the show in some way? Oh, no, darling. It was community theater. <laughs> they could have slapped some blue on you or something. That when you're on stage, you're acting so hard. And then what you do is you go off stage and you keep screaming and they roll a big ball out on stage, okay, like a big that's blue great. stability ball. Did they add, I can't remember if they added like a little feet or something like that, but it didn't, it wasn't a great effect. It was like, oh, you've turned into a literal blueberry. And I'm off stage going, wow, you know, that kind of thing. Uh -huh. Acting. Fair enough, fair enough. Well, they did use makeup on Denise Nickerson. Uh, Although so, it was a lot of light at first. Well, yes, it it's, it's, it's a light effect. But then they yeah. they cut and away. Then, when they cut yes, back, yes, she's yes. covered in makeup. So she had a very Violet-esque experience in real life. Oh, she said no. in the DVD commentary that one day in math class, kids started pointing at her and laughing and one of her friends told her she was turning purple the makeup that had been used on her for the film had apparently seeped into her pores and started to resurface wow wow <laughs> yeah also she did not want to do the bit where violet picks her nose because she had a crush on peter ostrom and she did not want to embarrass herself Apparently her and Julie Don Cole as Veruca both had crushes on on Charlie and they were both like trying to well, that sit next to him hair. whenever they could. I mean, I get it. I got it. Mike TV, Paris Themen, apparently a notorious troublemaker on the set. Oh, wow. So I don't remember this. There's there's a, the, a gum machine with bees in it, apparently, for my trivia. I don't remember this moment in the film, but apparently it was some kind of... A gum machine? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the gum machine that it? makes the little like the thing that three oh, that's what dinner. Makes the gum. They There's a shot where you can see that there's bees in okay. a hive right right and right, then right. it all gets dropped into that one that's piece right of gum. um well a this guy's a real stinker so he released them from the bell jar to and quote my brother on <laughs> on comedy central i think it was like his first episode of the opposition with jordan klepper release the bees <laughs> well he would have had to have adjusted that catchphrase from the opposition because it was not release the bees they said they were bees but they were played by wasps. No. And so this little kid <gasps> thought this would be funny to release him from their belt jar. And you know what happened? He got stung in the face. <laughs> well, that'll show you. That's what you get. That's what you get. You little menace. Like everyone, all the language around it makes it sound like we don't want to call a little kid 
a see you next Tuesday. <laughs> but this kid, he tended to be a little bit of a trickster on set. He was a, a little bit of a troublemaker. It was a little, um... He was sometimes would delay us filming because he was a bit of a little trickster what with releasing wasps and whatnot. Oh, um, like he's no. apparently a dif- difficult, difficult on the set. One, one more tiny anecdote from the Bedford boys ranch. Hit us with that. Bedford the boys actor ranch. who played our Mike TV had a very distinct name. Nick flower was his name. So like that's mm. a distinct name, Nicholas flower. And so when I moved to New York and eventually joined the, the bats at the flea, which was a resident acting company. Which is how we met. Which is how we met. Um, there there was like a, a Google group where like anyone who had been in the bats could opt in. So like people could, I mean, it, I got emails from it this week being like, hey, if anyone needs remote work, here's this. Like we're all, st- I'm still on it. But like, it would just be like, you know, inviting people to things, promoting your shows, blah, blah, blah. And I'd gotten a couple of emails from a bat from a previous show that I had never met named Nicholas Flower. And I was like, this can't be the guy who played Mike TV when I did this, but then one email who's responding to someone else. He's like, Oh yeah, well, blah, 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 blah. Cause where I grew up in Texas, oh. blah, blah, blah. And so then I just like responded <laughs> to him privately. I was like, I'm sorry. Are you the Nicholas flower that played Mike TV at on stage in Bedford at the Bedford <laughs> boys ranch? Cause if so, I was your violet bow regard. Uh, he's like, yes. Oh my and then God. He, I had a big party that I was like, oh, I'm having a party next week. Come. And he came and I was just like, he's so tall. That's I was like, well, I haven't, so we had not funny. seen each other since we were, 12 and we were like 26 something like that so it was very sweet i think he's a fancy bartender now good for Um, him good for you fancy bartender isn't that fun fancy fancy flower uh that's great uh and julie don cole as veruca salt who's great just the worst such a little stinker the mother's terrible (sighs) happiness is what you're not going to be very popular around here if you don't deliver soon just <sighs> she, despite being instructed not to, kept several props from the movie, including the golden ticket, an everlasting gobstopper, and a Willy Wonka candy wrapper. Yeah, I mean, come on. I mean, wouldn't you? Been? Yeah. I mean, look at these kids. You're going to instruct these kids not to steal props? You know, unsurprisingly, you got kids that are great to play the worst kids. One kid releasing the wasps, one stealing all the props you tell them not to steal. I want it now, so I'll keep it. <laughs> uh, so final thoughts in me show anything we haven't touched on any other roles that popped out yeah i will say you telling me right before we watched the film this time that it was shot on location in germany so much made so much more sense to me with regards to why grandpa george and grandma georgina never speak you know and like even grandma josephine German accent, the mm. newspaper salesman, light German accent, Slugworth, light German accent, all of them really excellent English, but just like all of them slightly tinged with it. And I was like, oh, this explains why there's so many English actors in the bit parts um, of the all the interstitial stuff, like at the, the first half of the film, all the little vignettes, because it's like much easier to fly them over than it is someone from the States. Or, I mean, that you're shooting in London, that you're shooting all that True. stuff. You're shooting but in sound stages. Regardless, like it's, interiors, it's all like, like the exteriors. In I mean, I, which I love that that special flavor that it gives to this film is is these like beautiful yeah, that German kind of, the way that vistas. like a lot of like those German towns like look like gingerbread houses, you know, yeah. like it's just really, but I so much made so much more sense. I was like, 
oh, I get a lot of this and yeah. a lot of the little twinges inflection wise of what I was hearing. I was like, it's because they're German. Yeah, I th- I'm assuming it's just all the exteriors because I believe like all the chocolate factory stuff, yeah. that's probably that's either done they in, built in America or in L.A. I forget yeah. which I think in L.A. But, or sorry, L.A. in London, I'm saying, I mean. Um, because Bob Fosse came in every single afternoon to complain because the filming was overrunning towards the end and stopping him from shooting cabaret on the same stage. Wow. So imagine if it was Joel Gray and he was like, Joel, I don't care. Get out of that top hat and put on this tuxedo. Act faster. <laughs> You're, we're starting cabaret now. <laughs> uh, and I'll end with this. When Gene Wilder passed away in 2016, Peter Ostrom changed his social media profile to former child actor, veterinarian, inherited a chocolate factory on August 29th, 2016. Amy Jo? Yes? What you recommending this week? I'm going to recommend an album. It's called The Art of Years, and it's by this artist, Belle Shea. That's B-E-L-L-E, Shea, S-H-E-A. Um, this is an indie artist. I'm friends with uh, her producer. So like he had like, this is like a 2020 album. So like when it came out, I was like, oh, I'll download this thing my friend worked on. It is beautiful. Um, just, I, I don't know. I, I find it like one of those that I can just like put on and listen to straight through. Just like gorgeous vocals, really lush uh, soundscapes. So yeah, you know, if you just want to like listen to something freaking lovely, check out The Art of Years. By Belle Shea. Love it. Jeff. Amy Jo. What are you recommending? I'm going to recommend. We are recording this in advance, as always. Uh, so it's been out for a few weeks. It might be leaving theaters soon, but I do recommend that you check out Martin McDonough's new film, The Banshees of Inishirin, with Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson. Uh, I mean, I've... I found Martin McDonough's films kind of hit and miss, but uh, I was a big fan of his like earlier plays of Beauty Queen of Lanon and Lonesome West and The Pillow Man and uh, the Lieutenant of Inishmore. And this is, does feel like a throwback to kind of those glory days mm. of when Martin McDonough kind of first burst onto the scene. Uh, and it features two of the best performances from Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson that I've seen them give as these two longtime friends uh, who live on this small, small island off the coast of Ireland in ni- the 1920s. And one day Brendan Gleeson just decides, I don't want to be friends with you anymore. And it just completely throws their lives and the lot and all of the residents of this tiny, tiny little village into upheaval wow but deal you know is a darker film than willy wonka and the chocolate factory but as any martin mcdonough is bound to be is, has like that fable-esque quality is dealing with morality and what it means to be like oh if well if you're good or if you're bad but in this case what does that even mean mm. opposed to how clearly defined it is in willy wonka and the chocolate factory where if you're bad you get turned into a blueberry and if, if you're you, good if you're in a you factory chew gum well, you're out of here. <laughs> yeah. You think this kid's not going to chew this gum? And like, it wasn't until after she's chewing it that he's like, no, stop. Like, did he even, I feel like she really got the, the short end well, of the Well, he stick. said, don't. Yeah. The tests haven't been great. And she's yeah. like, I don't care about that. I but know, it's not yes. the same as going full full into a river. I agree. The gum chewing, it's just about bad manners. And it's like, look. I get it. I that's get also it. like that we're all taught different things. So. <laughs> but regardless, that is what we're recommending this week. Da-da-da. Do you have a movie that you'd love for us to break down the casting of? Email us at andalmoststarring at gmail.com and let us know. Follow us on Instagram at andalmoststarring to see what film we'll be doing next week. Until next time, I'm Jeff Ronan. I'm Amy Jo Jackson. And thanks for joining us to see who almost starred.